I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service. My name is Ananta. This is Maria. We're honored to be here, share these holidays and this weekend with you. Especially a welcome to our guests and karma yogis and everyone who's here. Our reading today is from uh, Rays of the One Light. And this is week 53. The Last Commandment. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ, near the end of the Gospel according to St. John, gave as his last commandment that we love one another. In John chapter 13, he said, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Again in John chapter 15, he said, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. How did he love us? Personally, yes, in the sense that he loved and forever loves each one of us for who we are and not abstractly, but impersonally also in the sense that the Christ, the divine consciousness, is not conscious of itself as separate from us. He loves us not only for, but as our very self. His love is a manifestation of infinity, loving us as expressions of infinity. He does not see us as we see ourselves. He forever sees in us our divine potential. Paramahansa Yogananda made a very similar statement to the monks very shortly before his own departure from his body. Respect one another as I respect you. His use of the word respect instead of love was deliberate. He wanted to emphasize for them the importance of impersonal love and friendship from God for God. Worldly people do not understand that in personal love, there is much deeper love than exists in personal love. Impersonal love is expansive, not contractive. One day the master was going for an outing, and the monks were helping him into his car. Yogananda had been having difficulty with his knees. He remarked, You are all so kind to me with your many attentions. Oh, sir, they replied, it's your kindness to which we respond. The master smiled sweetly. God is helping God, he said. That's his drama. The second commandment Jesus quoted from the ancient scriptures, love thy neighbor as thyself, explained what he meant by his new and last commandment. We should, he said, love all as reflections of our very self. Thus, Paramahansa Yogananda said also, when I am gone, only love can take my place. The Bhagavad Gita describes a dialogue between Krishna and his disciple Arjuna. Thus, the other disciples are not part of the scene. The dialogue is internal and symbolizes the dialogue between the soul and God. Yet in it, Sri Krishna describes the way to supreme wisdom and supreme love. Quote, 
the serene self, being one with Brahman, neither grieves nor yearns. The same to all, he attains supreme devotion to me. That sameness toward all is the manifestation of pure love, impersonal in the sense of selfless. By that love, one attains supreme love for God alone. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. eternity. And this is entitled Prayer for Expanding Love from Myself to All My Brethren. O Divine Mother, teach me to use the gift of thy love, which I feel in my heart, to love the members of my family more than myself. Bless me that I may love my neighbors more than my family. Expand my heart's feelings that I love my country more than my neighbors and my world and all my human brethren more than my country, neighbors, family, and my own self. Lastly, teach me to love thee more than anything else. For it is only thy love that enables me to love everything. Without thee, I could not love anything or anybody. Father divine, teach me to enter through the portals of family love and that of the love of my friends into the mansion of wider social love. Teach me to pass from there through the doors of social love and into the wider mansion of international love. Then teach me to pass through the portals of international love into thy endless territory of divine love, wherein I perceive all animate and inanimate objects as breathing and living by thy love alone. Teach me to tarry not at any alluringly beautiful gate of family, social, or international love. Teach me to pass through all portals that lead to the smaller gardens of love until passing through that last gate of human love, I enter into the endless territory of divine love where I shall find all living, semi-living, and sleeping things to be my very own. Welcome to all, and again, we'd like to wish you all, I know we're a couple days ahead of the game, but a very blessed new year, and rich in what Yogananda often referred to as the ever-new joy of God. 
So many, many blessings. This topic this morning, uh, the last commandment. I was reading about and Yogananda's writings about the commandments, and he didn't really like that word, commandment. He said it really doesn't win the response uh, from you know, the masses, so to speak, because uh, it seems like you know, when you talk to a child or a teenager and you command them or tell them something to do, they're right off doing the opposite. And, uh, and there's a place for that. We're all trying to ground in, in uh, and stand on our own two feet. But uh, he said far better, and this is the way he liked to refer to them, uh, far better to refer to them as the eternal rules of happiness. Because it's true, when we view it that way, if we see it as something that will bring us happiness, everyone wants happiness. And when we can wrap our aura, so to speak, around those actions, those orientations mentally, psychically, that we know will bring us happiness, in fact, that is what we draw, that's what we magnetize, and happiness comes to us. So the eternal rules of happiness. And even this last commandment, love others as I have loved you, that is really central, that is really key to our happiness, our ability to expand into that broadened consciousness of happiness, divine happiness. And this last commandment, as it, as it reads, uh, love others as I have loved you, it begs the question, how does God love us? How does God love us? And what we know from the teachings, what we know from the masters and the saints who've had that divine experience, that enlightened experience. It's the unconditional love of God that is being talked about here. Unconditional love. Those two words speak volumes. And we have a whole incarnation, many of them, to try to get a sense for what that actually means. They are, it's a state of consciousness that is powerful, that can transform lives by simply being in its presence. Yogananda, at least a couple of times, was accosted by people sent to kill him, you know, men with a gun who were going to take him down or rob him or what have you. And it was through the power of that love, and you read about it, he shares those examples, that he was able to completely change that circumstance not just for himself, because that wasn't what it was about. It wasn't like he was trying to protect himself, but change that circumstance so that those individuals could be changed through the power of that divine love flowing through him. And they were changed. Their lives were different after that. And on another occasion, not quite as serious, but it speaks to that divine love He said he met the man, uh, George Eastman, the inventor of the Kodak camera. And he said when he first saw him, it was at some large gathering. And he said he was kind of, he appeared to be a rather cold individual, a man of steel, not a lot to say. And he surmised, Yogananda surmised, that in part this was because he was a very wealthy man and very philanthropic individual. 
And so people were always after him, always wanting his money for this or that, and good causes, I'm sure, but that's how they read him. That's how they saw Mr. George Eastman. And so Yogananda was watching him, and he thought to himself, I wonder what he thinks I'm after. And some time passed, and Mr. Eastman came up, and Yogananda said without any preliminaries, he just said to Yogananda, I want you to come have lunch with me. And Mr. Eastman responded, I'll come and have lunch with you if you will also come and have lunch at my place. And so later on, Mr. Eastman came to Yogananda's home, and he found Yogananda there making these different curries. And Mr. Eastman said to him, oh, I love to cook as well. And so that sort of softened the, the energy a little bit. And they were cooking and they were talking. And after a while, Yogananda said that he casually said to him, he said, I know you're a a man of wealth and means and that you're sought after by many because of this. But I'm not interested in your wealth. I want to be your friend. And Yogananda said, when when he said those words, Mr. Eastman totally relaxed And they had a wonderful visit. They spent a couple of hours together. And the next day, Yogananda received in the mail one of his newly invented Kodak cameras. (laughs) But, you know, it's just an, uh, perhaps not an everyday occurrence, but it's it's an, an occurrence of the human element. And just how deeply we can affect people when we try to live in that consciousness. And the masters, the great ones, they have it down. They understand that the whole reason for their very existence, the only reason for their existence, is to radiate love, to send love, to give love, to magnetize hearts to that divine source because they they can experience that through them. They're a channel for that. And it's a love, as I said, it's transforming. And it is there for us, Yogananda wrote in his autobiography, when he so wanted to know that Divine Mother loved him. And it's a beautiful account. But Divine Mother appears to him and says, Always have I loved you, ever shall I love you. And that's the nature of unconditional love. Master says we we touch on it a little bit in the... the, uh, Incarnation of the human mother, of, you know, there are exceptions, but that motherhood is an expression, by and large, of unconditional love. And so we see it there portrayed, and we can tune into that the love for one's child, the love for one's family, the love for all children, for all humanity, a selfless love, a love that inspires, a love that transforms. When Kriyananda first met Yogananda and asked to be his disciple, Yogananda, as you might recall, most of you, he said, give, will you give me your unconditional love? I give you my unconditional love. Will you give me yours in return? First thing out. And he laid that as the foundation, not just for discipleship, but for what was going to be a lifetime of discipleship and a lifetime of human relations, one after the other, strangers, thousands, tens of thousands of them. And 
here was the the truth around which to build that relationship of discipleship and the relationship of friendship, unconditional love. And when you look at the example of Kriyananda, it's perhaps really the greatest thing that he has exemplified for us is the example of divine friendship. And whether we've known him a long time or we've just met him or we've corresponded or read it, read or heard some talk online, that friendship comes through, that wanting to understand the individual and be a channel that that individual might be uplifted. I was reading the other day an article, it was an interview of Kriyananda with somebody, some uh, journalist in Mumbai. Um, Savitri had lovingly posted it, so many People lovingly post these things for us to read and hear, and I was trying to catch up with some of them. This was uh, just before Kriyananda's lecture in Mumbai, which occurred fairly recently. And it's a very brief article. But in it, the man asks him, How do you, Swami, you know, Kriyananda, how do you manage your organization? And Swamiji gives what I think is a very unusual. Answer, he says, I help people to fulfill themselves. I'm sure that man was really surprised. <laughs> you know, he could have gone on about the organization of Ananda and who's in charge and who's not, or, you know, some company person might say how the companies run or what the assets are, just on and on, all this organizational stuff. And Swamiji bypassed all of it, and he just said, I'm here to help people fulfill themselves. Totally selfless. You know, you really couldn't say that truthfully and honestly unless you really felt divine love in your heart, love for everybody, anybody. You know, again, people come to him who have more or less realization, but none of that, none of that is the manner by which he reads or sense or, or feels them or is company to them. None of that. It's not at all personal. You know, that he can be there for every individual. It's, he can be personal. We've all seen him be personable. He's very sweet, personably. But it's much more than being personal. It's much more than I like this person, I don't like this person, I feel in tune with this person, I don't feel in tune with that person, I don't really agree with those ideologies, you know, what have you. It's none of that. It's just how can I help people fulfill themselves? How can I bring them to that highest expression? And so again, just not at all personal in any way. Yogananda shares a wonderful story when he was, he founded a school in Ranchi in India and he worked with young boys up through their teens and he, uh, he said at that time he was with Yukteswar and, um, and at Yukteswar's ashram with him a lot and Yukteswar said to him, do you love all equally? And Yogananda said, yes. And Yukteswar said, not yet. Not yet. (laughs) Nothing else, that's all he said. 
And some time went by, and Yogananda's younger brother enrolled in the school and was a student there. And Yogananda said he thought to himself, Ah, this one's mine. (laughs) And he caught himself in that thought, and he remembered Yukteswar's words. And he decided right then and there he was going to detach himself entirely from this relationship of brother to brother on a human family social level. And he did. And sometime after that, some time went by and Yukteswar said to him, do you love everyone in the whole world? And Yogananda said, I love. And Yukteswar said to him, your work is finished. Isn't that sweet? Because he had come to that place of unconditional love and love for all, whoever they were, whoever they are, whoever we are. And as we tune into that divine quality, that ever-present, omnipresent quality, we start to take on that character. We start to take on, not the character of Yogananda, but the quality of divine love. This is why it's so important to be in the company of the saints and the masters. I was with a dear friend of mine recently, and this is an individual who I have known for almost my entire life. Um, They're just a year behind me. I've known them essentially my entire life. And in some ways, it's been a bit of a challenging relationship. Really, to be honest, I've always known it through personality, my own, theirs, ego, mine, theirs, you know, different worldviews. It's really always been on that level. And so sometimes it's, it's been a bit challenging And I was with this person recently, and it was a very unique experience. I I really think I, you know, just a few times as it happened to me. And all of a sudden, in being with them, there was nothing profound particularly being said. It might have even been superficial. I, I think it was rather reflective, but, you know, not totally deep. And all of a sudden, I was aware of this person And myself, there were no personalities. There were no egos. There were no worldviews that clashed. All of that was gone. It It was on another plane. It was startling to me because it was so different than my daily reality. And I was, it was incredible. And I, it allowed me to understand what that can be like when we relate to someone unconditionally. And that's not easy to do. It's not easy for me to do, but we've got to keep trying to do it. It can be the reality on this plane, but wow, is it challenging to get beyond our egos, their egos, our personalities, their personalities. And then you throw siblings in there and moms and dads and it's, it's, it gets pretty wild. It's pretty hard to exit that and separate it out and think that this person has a soul and <laughs> that you'd want to relate to. You know, you sort of think, you know, I'll be much better off if I just stay away, then I won't get angry, then I won't get uptight. But in the moment that I felt that, 
I, what I also felt was, I want to be with that person. I want to spend more time with that person. And as much time as I've ever spent with that person, again, I have to say honestly, that just hasn't been my thought. I mean, I put out effort to make things happen, but it doesn't come from that place of, I long to be with that person. But on a soul level, that's, we would want that. We would want that with everybody because on a soul level, they're that divine reflection. Kriyananda wrote a wonderful book, um, Secrets of Life, and it has many different components to it. And in the component, Secrets of Meditation, he says one of the secrets, um, secret, the secret of meditation is visualizing yourself seated at the heart of infinity, sending rays of divine love outward from your center to all the universe. That's a wonderful, expansive meditation for divine love. Because, you know, again, the, if, if, if we were to be, for example, at an international conference on world peace, I mean, can you just imagine you're trying to come to some so- solution carry out some business, you know, that's positive and unifying. And how are we ever going to arrive at a solution? You know, how do people arrive at a solution? There's so many conflicting egos. There's so many cross-currents of karma and personal desire. And imagine if you were to just, you know, raise your hand, let's all love others as God loves us. You know, people would think we were nuts, And if there was someone there who did get it, and I'm sure there would be someone who would understand that truth and principle, even a handful of people, no one would really be able to implement that as solution. There would be no joint, you know, collective voice in that, that yes, this is the solution. Let's just channel unconditional love to everybody and solve all the world's problems. But we do know that is the answer. We do know that is the solution. And so irregardless of whether anyone is paying much attention or not, it's really our duty, it's our dharma, to try to be channels of divine love and to find the way to do that. And if you can't do it head on, you know, today, then take it into your meditation Again, visualizing yourself seated at the heart of infinity, the heart of eternity, sending rays of divine love outward from your center to all the universe. And when we get into that consciousness, all our problems start to fall away. They lose their power. They lose their magnetism. And we understand. We start to see the world from the world view, the cosmic view of the masters. And so just like when we chant Om in that vibration, master says it encircles the globe and it moves through the ether to all of creation. So divine love, when we hold that thought, when we hold that experience, it radiates outward. And then we have this life that is attuned to the example that the reference that Yogananda gives us. He said, when I go, only love can
can take my place. And so in those words, just, I think I'll just close. Only love can take my place. And let us in this new year place our energies, our concentration, our commitment to try to be channels, greater channels, even greater channels for divine love to all. Thank you.